Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Welcome to Alive. This is cleared. I'm sorry, I've got a funny throat today. <clears throat> if you have been following the program for the last few months, you will know that I have been talking about the errors of Russia. And what are those errors of Russia? Spreading communism throughout the world. Now, Lucia said that communism would spread even to the United States. And they certainly are in a um, doggy do at the moment with their elections. And they have only three weeks before the Electoral College votes will come in. Now, just, I'm not going to go through a lot of it today. I've spoken about it for the last two weeks. Just a bit of an overview. Yesterday, uh, Rudy Giuliani was speaking before the courts in Pennsylvania, and he explained, he showed them graphs, and there were spikes in all of these graphs, and that was when a, a ridiculous amount of votes, which couldn't have been counted manually, just came in, and all of these spikes when they added them up, there were 600,000 votes and 570,000 of them were for Biden. Now, when he said that, the people in front of him absolutely laughed because they knew how silly that was. And that just showed there and then what was happening. Now, of course, we have Sydney Powell, who is doing her own investigation um, in the Dominion voting machines. Now, she said that she would um, file it today. It's a massive document, lots of exhibits. And starting in Georgia, because this was the biggest one, and she said it was the fraud was overwhelming, it was blatant. And she said this was very interesting, as if we were expected to catch them. And maybe it's a distraction from something else that is going on right now. So I found that very, very interesting. And so what are the other things that are going on right now? Well, in the U.S. particularly, you've got lockdowns. They're in winter. And you've got the Great Reset. And Klaus Swab, who is the head of the World Economic Forum, it's a private organization. In fact, he um, started it, and it meets in Davos, every year to, and all the government leaders and the important people go there and they discuss the world from an economic point of view and so this is not a conspiracy theory because you've got every leader throughout the world just about you've got Prince Charles, you've got the head of um, the United Nations you had Justin Trudeau speaking about the reset and how they're going to use COVID and it's um, dovetailing beautifully for them to be able to reset the whole of the world as we know it. So, um, very, very interesting what Sidney Powell said. But for people who really don't understand what they are talking about when they are promoting Marxism and communism, they really need to look at the background of Karl Marx. So I'm just going to read from a book here, and it's got some very interesting things to say. So running left-wing movements has always been the prerogative of spoiled rich kids. And so that was uh, Wildebrandt. 
communism is an idea and you cannot shoot an idea. You can only oppose it with a superior idea. Now that was a quote from Robert Bergen, a tremendous book called The Apocalyptic Age. I really recommend that book. The saying attributed to Winston Churchill, if a man is not a communist at 20, he has no heart, but if he's still a communist at 40, he has no head. Gives us a little insight into why this monstrous and treacherous fraud, which has a third of humanity in its stranglehold, is still gaining ground today. It is a a combination of youthful idealism and a society saturated by socialist propaganda. This is the reason why there will always be an army of gullible, useful idiots, tools, ready to do the bidding of the men behind the scenes, the real directors of human history. Like the cathedral builders of old, these men know they will never see their life's work come to fruition, but it doesn't matter because they know how Satan has a ready supply of willing foot soldiers to carry on their work. But surely as people get older, they see through these lies and eventually cast them off. Not necessarily. A priest explained to me that even when someone knows they're on the wrong path, they will probably choose to stay on that path until the day they die. Why? Pride. If they admit that they are wrong, they will also have to admit that their whole life up until that point has been a waste of time and most people just cannot do it. Communism, which was dreamt up in a secret society, was unleashed on the world in 1948, two years after the apparitions of La Salette, that is, two years after the devils were loosed from hell. The League of Just Men were so taken with Marx and Engels' radical ideas, they invited the pair to attend the 1847 Communist League conference in London. The League then commissioned Marx and Engels to turn their own revolutionary ideas into the Communist Manifesto. These men's names are lost to us through history, but Marx, ruthless and determined, was happy to be in the driver's seat. Who was Karl Marx? Before we go into that, we need to have a clear up the misconception that communism is a movement of the proletariat, the poor downtrodden masses. As Richard Wundbrandt's assessment is a very insightful. Marx was from a bourgeois family and spent his entire life living off the wealth of others. He was hardly poor and he certainly wasn't downtrodden. Karl, or rather Mordecai Marx, came from a long line of Jewish rabbis. His family lived in Trier, a town well-known in the first half of the 19th century as a rallying point for many of France's most militant refugees. In 1816, the whole family mother converted to Protestantism, perhaps in response to the 1815 law, which forbade Jews from entering high society. Karl's father, Heinrich, was a liberal, and he thought Protestantism, rather than Catholicism, was more in line with his own views. This is understandable given that he was a great admirer of Voltaire, whose writings certainly sparked the French Revolution. Young Karl, who was homeschooled until the age of 12, was by all accounts a bit of a rascal. It's already noted that he seemed to take great delight in terrorising people, especially his sisters. In spite of this, he was 
reasonably intelligent and had a pretty good knowledge of the Bible. When he left home, he went to Bonn University, but everything began to unravel. Marx was only 17, so perhaps the newfound freedom of university was simply too much for him. During the short time he was there, Marx became a drunken hooligan. He piled up debts and even managed to get into a duel. His father was so ashamed he made Marx change universities from Bonn to Berlin. The next period of Marx's life is not widely known. If you examine his writings at age 18, from this period they reveal a lot about the mind of this tortured soul. It is abundantly clear he was a Satanist and he hated God. He, his most interesting works are his poems and one he writes, I wish to avenge myself on the one who rules above. Marx was channeling the words of Satan in Isaiah 14, 13. He wanted to rule and be powerful like God, except his kingdom would avenge God. So here's a couple of his poems. So a God has snatched from me my all in the curse and wreck of destiny. All his worlds are gone beyond recall. Nothing but revenge is left to me. I shall build up my throne overhead. Cold, tremendous shall its summit be, for its bold positions dread, for its martial, blackest agony. Another one is the player. The hellish vapours rise and fill the brain, till I go mad and my heart is utterly changed. See the sword? This prince of darkness sold it to me, for he beats the time and gives the signs ever more boldly. I play the dance of death. And another, yet I have power within my youthful arms to clench and crush you, humanity, with tempestuous force, while for both of us the abyss yawns in darkness. You will sink down and I shall follow laughing, whispering in your ears, descend, come with me, friend. And it ends, if there is something which devours, I'll leap within it, though I will bring the world to ruin, the world which bulks between me and the abyss. I will smash to pieces with my enduring curses. In another human pride, Marx admits that his aim is not to improve the world, reform or revolutionise it, but simply to ruin it and enjoy it being ruined. And with another... With disdain, I throw my gauntlet full in the face of the world and see the collapse of this pygmy giant whose fall will not stifle my ardour. Then I wander, wander godlike and victorious through the ruins of the world and give my world words an active force. I feel equal to the Creator. Thus, heaven I have forfeited. I know it full well. My soul, once true to God, is chosen for hell. So to paraphrase, Marx hated God. He was bent on revenge. Like Satan's boast in Isaiah, Marx believed he was equal to God. In exchange for his soul, Satan sold Marx the weapon, the sword, that would bring about God's destruction, his church on, his church on earth. Marx believed he co-ruled with Satan. The bulkwit, the church, was rendered powerless and Marx's only motive was to tea. His mission was to drag people down to hell. He ensnared people by whispering lies into their ears 
and he knew he was destined to follow them. But that was no problem. He relished the thought of following everyone and laughing on the way down. Nice chap. So here are a few thoughts about what communism actually is. Communism seeks to end all inheritance. Yet Mark was Marx was always on the lookout for another inheritance, particularly from his wife's family, who were um, sort of um, minor royalty. Communism seeks to take property of all uh, immigrants and rebels, and yet Marx was an immigrant to England and was expelled from Germany, Belgium, and twice from France. Communism seeks to take property of the bourgeois. Marx was bourgeois through and through. He loved tailor-made suits, caviar, fine wine. He dabbled in the stock market and he made a point of telling people his wife was a baroness. Communism seeks to exterminate the bourgeois, yet Marx grew up in a wealthy family. In a communist state, every single person must work. Marx never made a living wage to support his own family in his whole life. He lived off the gratuities from his long-suffering and extremely wealthy friend, Engels. Here are a few points about what communism is, and these were the demands of the Communist Party in Germany in 1948. They wanted Germany to become a single republic and a universal arming of the people. That's interesting. Estates of the princes and feudal estates, all mines, pits, etc., became state property. Mortgages on peasants' holdings. Uh, shall be declared state property and the interest on mortgages shall be paid by the peasants to the states. This is very interesting because in the research you can go online and have a look and by 2030 apparently we will own nothing but we'll be very happy. So how is that going to happen? Not sure. So in the districts where the tenant farming is developed, the land rent dues shall be paid to the state all means of transport, railways, canals, etc., etc., shall be taken over by the state. A limit on the right of inheritance. Introduction of a steeply graded progressive taxation. Establish of national workshops. State shall guarantee a living to all workers and provide for those unable to work. It sounds like the universal living wage. Uh, school children, free education. But... Above all, there was the real plan. Destroy any writers who resist. It will be an invisible government owing no allegiance and acknowledgement or responsibility. But here is the big lie. Once this government is in place, the dictatorship will not be necessary any longer and will disappear, which is, of course, quite ridiculous. They finally felt free to reveal their true intentions destroy all countries, all nationalities, and most especially the Catholic Church. They also decided to confiscate all property of immigrants and refugees that would then include everyone not already covered under bourgeois. We've just gone past three o'clock. It's Divine Mercy Hour. You don't have to be a Catholic to join in. This is the beautiful uh, chaplet of Divine Mercy that our Lord gave St. Faustina. We are so privileged to have this and it's a very powerful prayer to say, particularly when a person is dying because our Lord promised to stand between the just judge, Heavenly Father, and the dying person as a merciful saviour. 
Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and was born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. On the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. He will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body and life everlasting. Amen. Eternal Father, I offer you the body and blood, soul and divinity of your dearly beloved Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, in atonement for our sins and those of the whole world. For the sake of his sorrowful passion, have mercy on us and on the whole world. For the sake of his sorrowful passion, have mercy on us and on the whole world. For the sake of his sorrowful passion, have mercy on us and on the whole world. For the sake of passion, have mercy on us and on the whole world. For the sake of his sorrowful passion, have mercy on us and on the whole world. For the sake of his sorrowful passion, have mercy on us and on the whole world. For the sake of his sorrowful passion, have mercy on us and on the whole world. For the sake of his sorrowful passion, have mercy on us and on the whole world. For the sake of his sorrowful passion, have mercy on us and on the whole world. For the sake of his sorrowful passion, have mercy on us and on the whole world. Holy God, Holy Mighty One, Holy Immortal One, have mercy on us and on the whole world. Jesus, I trust in you. Jesus, I trust in you. Jesus, I trust in you. So here's a few more thoughts about communism. So this is um, Communist Manifesto. Uh, You can get it off the internet, 2013. The distinguishing feature of communism is the abolition of bourgeois property, the abolition of bourgeois individuality, bourgeois independence, bourgeois freedom is undoubtedly aimed at. And when we're talking about bourgeois, we're talking about the middle class. Okay, communism may be summed up in a single sentence, abolition of private property and the middle class owner of that property. This person must indeed be swept out of the way. The communist revolution is the most radical rupture with traditional property relations. No wonder that its development involved the most radical rupture with traditional ideas. So here's a few more. Political power is simply one organized class oppressing another. The proletariat will have to form into a class in order to overthrow the bourgeois. It will take a revolution and Marx makes no apologies that terror is a necessary tool. At first it will mean despotic inroads into the rights of property. Countries, nationalities will cease to exist as a result and all hostilities in countries will end. The bourgeois family, middle class family will vanish. The hallowed correlation of parent and child and the family and education is bourgeois claptrap. The state will control all We must stop parents from exploiting their children. Every single person must work outside the home. Women must be liberated from having children. 
married bourgeois are always swapping partners. So to combat this hypocrisy, prostitution will be uh, legalised. Sounds good. As a test case, let's examine their theory against the reality. The Russian Revolution. Everything went to plan. The Catholic and Russian churches were looted and destroyed, and the communists did everything in their power to stamp out the very thought of God. Equality, liberty for those minute few in control, and slavery for everyone else. Now, this is a quote from the book The Cause of World Unrest. In a letter attributed to the Grand Master Pike, which was written to the Italian um, Masonic revolutionary um, Mazzini, it stated, Therefore, when the autocratic empire of Russia will have become the citadel of papal Christianity, we shall unchain the nihilist and atheist revolutionaries and we shall provoke a formidable cataclysm which will show clearly to the nations in all its horror the effect of the absolute heresy, mother of savagery and of the most bloody disorder. Then citizens everywhere, obliged to defend themselves against an enraged minority of revolutionaries, will exterminate these destroyers of civilization and the multitude, disillusioned with Christianity, whose deist spirit will be from that moment on without direction and anxious for the ideal, without knowing where to put their worship, will receive the true light by means of the universal manifestation of the pure Luciferian doctrine, finally made public, a manifestation which will raise a general movement of reaction, which will follow the destruction of atheism and Christianity, both conquered and exterminated at the same time. So that's what they're planning. So what is the difference between revolutionaries? Christians died, they did not kill if masonry ended despotism, its substitute was an incomparably more tyrannical, harmful and criminal oppression. So what did some of the popes say about communism? Communism is a deadly plague on human society and threatening it with extinction. Now that's Pope Leo Thirteenth, way back in the late 1800s. As soon as the state refuses to give to God what belongs to God then by a necessary consequence it refuses to give to citizens that to which as men they have a right, Pope Leo again. Communism is equality and liberty for those minute few in control and slavery for everyone else. That was the Cardinal of Chile. You have to understand communistic brutality. If a country tries to cast off communism, military intervention is the response. We don't have to ask the billions of people all over the world living under the yoke of communism if they have freedoms. They don't. Communism will be defeated when we have the same number of Blue Army members in the world as there are communists. Now, that was St. Padre Pio referring to people who pray the rosary every day. And this links in with um, St. Don Bosco's vision of the church in the end days when you had that, the bark of Peter being battered in the storm, but when the ships made their way through the two columns, one with the Eucharist and one with the devotion to Our Lady, we would have peace. So that is the Sacred Heart of Jesus and the Immaculate Heart of Mary. So I think that's a really good place to end it. Don't worry too much. 
Um, just keep your eye on Jesus.